It's Wednesday, October 25th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, the Fall Classic is set. The World Series uh, has an NL uh, champion in the Arizona Diamondbacks. They defeat the uh, Philadelphia Phillies on the road in Game 7, 4-2. to two, And uh, the, the, the matchup is set. The Snakes versus the Rangers. Uh, it should be a lot of fun. Uh, this is a... Uh, this is another one of the. Why does it seem like every time uh, Arizona is in the World Series, they seem like a, a team of destiny? Yeah, Joe. I mean, uh, what the last time was? What two thousand? Uh, two thousand. I want to say what two thousand one. Two thousand one. Two thousand one against the Yankees. Yeah, and they beat uh, they they beat the Yankees in seven games out there. I, I covered that series. That was uh, yeah, that was a good series. I mean, you, the that was when. Uh, uh, um, I think it was raining in the dome. I they had the dome open, or the that's is that that's a dome, right? Yeah, it was a dome, and like like late in the game, in the seventh or eighth or ninth inning, it started like drizzling, drizzling in the desert. It was weird. Oh, all, all signs pointed to to something strange uh, happening in the uh, uh, the Yankees. Uh, I believe they beat Mariano Rivera in, in yeah. a, a game, and that's uh, you know it's not an easy thing to do at that time in uh, in Rivera's career. Yeah, Gonzalez, uh, so, yeah. Luis Gonzalez had had the the the, the uh, blue the pit to him, yeah, just beyond shortstop. And our buddy, I think Jay Bell, former mm-hmm. Indian shortstop, scored the winning run. Yeah, a lot of fun, uh, a lot of fun memories there. Uh, but you know, they go into uh, Philadelphia and basically pull off a huge upset because you're talking about a, a Philadelphia team that you know had at, at times during this postseason all of that momentum. Uh, and and uh, the the home field advantage uh, playing at Citizens Bank Park, but uh, an early withdrawal from the uh, the playoff series for the Phillies. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know they had that that lead in Arizona, uh, five to three, I think, uh, when they were up. Uh, you know they were up two one, and they could have gone up three to one, and Arizona came back and beat them, and uh, that seemed to turn the series a little bit. And then they they just stopped hitting Joe uh, the Phillies even at home. You know the bats went silent. Yeah, that's uh, and, and and what had gotten Philadelphia to the point of where they were uh, had an advantage in the series, uh, you know, quickly went away, and and you saw the uh, you know, Tori Lavulo and the uh, and the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, a former uh, Cleveland farm system manager, uh, he's he's going to be in the World Series. Uh, should be should be a lot of fun uh, to to follow Tori and the and the Diamondbacks as they uh, take on the Rangers. Uh, the Rangers still looking for their first um, World Series championship in franchise history. Yeah, you know, I remember Tori Lavulo, uh, you know, he played for for Cleveland. He managed, like you were saying, a long time ago. I mean, for a long time in their minor league system. And he interviewed for the uh, manager's job here when they hired Manny Acta. And I remember uh, Mark Shapiro telling me, you know, that how, how focused uh, Lavulo was. He said his his big dream was – he was already envisioning one year walking off uh, the field after a Game 7 victory in the World Series, and now he's got that chance. It took a while, Joe. I mean, he's had that long, bumpy road, but he's in a position to do that right now. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, it should be a fun story to watch as, as he uh, you know, gets the, gets his due, I guess. You know, with the, the managers in the World Series always become uh, a big focal point, and uh, just to, to, you know, we'll, we'll see some stories come out about, uh, you know, his progress and, and his, his journey to this point uh, should be interesting to watch. 
Uh, speaking of managers and speaking of managerial news, uh, we've got plenty of it. And over the last uh, uh, couple of days, uh, some developments and, and you know, the most recent one uh, today, we hear that uh, Craig Council, pretty much the leading managerial candidate out there uh, right now, uh, has received permission from the Brewers to interview with the Mets. Uh, is is it a foregone conclusion that uh, you know he he goes to the Mets or or, or is this just uh, Milwaukee giving him the chance to test the market and see uh, see what's out there? Yeah, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion, Joe. It's it seems like that to me. Uh, you know, David Stearns, former uh, you know uh, baseball uh, director of baseball operations in Milwaukee, is is the main guy in in the with the Mets now. Uh, you know, uh, and uh, Council is his guy. Uh, you know, I would think. Uh, you know, and we really haven't heard too much rumblings of, about anyone anyone else with the Mets, have we? I mean, I know of. Uh, uh, Brzezinski, uh, you know, the uh, first base coach from uh, Toronto was mentioned a little bit, but, you know, it's always been counsel. I think, uh, you know, that that sounds like a deal that's already made. Yeah, they're they're pretty much putting all of their eggs in that basket. And you got to imagine. I, I, can you imagine the the meeting there, the interview, uh, the pitch that the, the Mets are, are going to put on the table? It's it's got to seem like when you're in the market to buy a car and the, the car salesman, uh, is under the instructions not to let you off the lot because, you know, <laughs> once you walk away, uh, it's your, your best chance to get them. So I got to imagine it's going to be a pretty intense uh, meeting for, for Craig Council. He's 53 years old. You know, he's he's, uh, he's still uh, relatively a young manager. He's got plenty of experience. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he's exactly, you know, what the what the Mets need right now. And uh, I would be I would be shocked if he walks out of there uh, without a deal uh, in hand, uh, you know, that he can probably sign after November 1st or, or whenever he he officially becomes a, a, a man, a free agent manager, I guess, uh, and, and able to do that. So uh, as far as other managerial uh, updates and news, uh, you know, before we get to the Guardian situation, uh, the Giants officially. Uh, maybe not un, uh, unofficially yet, but uh, the word is the Giants are going to hire Bob Melvin uh, as their next manager, uh, as as he was granted permission uh, from San Diego to interview. And you know, I think once uh, once that happened, you saw the writing on the wall. Uh, you don't you don't go and interview for that job if uh, you're not thinking about taking it. Yeah, and you know, Melvin's from the Bay Area. He coached for, I managed for a long time in uh with the A's now he's going across the bay to uh the big money uh, uh giants and uh that seems like uh, you know an inch, you know a match made in heaven I guess you know so and you know he's worked with the uh the GM you know they work together in uh in in Oakland so you know they you know there's a good uh, you know relationship there and I think it'll probably be a lot better uh, working conditions for Melvin uh than than it was in San Diego but you know the Giants are really analytically inclined. You know, uh, Melvin uh, hopefully has a, is an old school guy, but he's obviously he's been able to meld meld uh, the statistical you know side of the game, especially in Oakland where they really you know kind of invented Moneyball, right? So mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it, it should it's going to be an interesting uh, match to see how it evolves. Yeah, it, it's just uh, you know giving him a, a lot more resources back in that same area. But he'll have a lot more resources just across the bay in a, in a place where, you know, it's a it, it it's a bigger 
you know, financial situation for him. So, uh, you know, interesting to see how he proceeds there uh, with the Giants and, and what he he's able to, you know, do with that team after Gabe Kapler was uh, dismissed uh, earlier in this offseason. Uh, after the American League Championship Series, uh, word uh, started to get around and, and started to come out. Uh, we're seeing reports that Dusty Baker uh, has uh, made indications to people around the team that, you know, 2023 is probably his last season managing. And I could kind of see this, uh, you know, coming from uh, from far off. I, I kind of figured if he had made it back to the World Series, I thought it would be a pretty much a foregone conclusion uh, that, that it would be his last season. But, uh, you know, getting getting to this point and, and Dusty's, you know, not exactly a, a young guy. I think he's in his 70s. Um, uh, planning to step away from managing, as a, according to the reports that we're seeing here, uh, and, uh, you know, from the athletic and, and from other, uh, outlets that he's had those conversations, uh, that it does influence or impact the guardians, uh, managerial search in, because, uh, it could narrow the candidate pool, uh, guys like Joe Espada, who's very highly thought of as Baker's bench coach, uh, there in, in Houston and, uh, yeah, um, Troy Snicker, the uh, um, the son of Brian Snicker, formerly the uh, the Atlanta manager, and uh, he's the hitting coach in Houston, very highly thought of uh, in, in coaching circles, and uh, you know was also a guy who had been connected to the Guardians uh, in in a couple of uh, stories. So um, you know those two guys you would think would be the the, the top candidates for the managerial position in Houston if uh, if Baker steps away. Yeah, definitely. You know, Dusty, what, won his World Series last year. That was the only thing uh, missing from his Hall of Fame resume. Uh, 74, 75 years old. I think uh, I read a quote. He goes, I've got two young young hunting dogs at home. They're a year old and they don't know me. So I guess he's going to go home and reintroduce himself to his to his dogs and and uh, hit the uh, hit the prairie. I'm not sure what that means, but uh, it sounds like uh, he wants some R&R and very well deserved. Joe, he's had a great career. I mean, you look at his career, playing career, managerial career. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah, if you you think about it, uh, if uh, if he retires this year, you you got to imagine that uh, that he could go into the Hall of Fame at the same time Tito uh, would be eligible to to do so uh, in that next cycle uh, for the uh, the managers and and contributors uh, in in twenty twenty what twenty six would be the vote and twenty twenty seven would be the uh, the first time he's eligible. So uh, you know, just thinking ahead for for Dusty Baker, that's uh, the, the next step is is obviously the the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, um, and you know who knows if uh, you know maybe it, we know how highly uh, Tito thinks of of Dusty Baker because of the time that uh, Tito uh, Tito Francona uh, Terry's dad uh, spent playing with him uh, in you know in the 60s. So you know you just gotta gotta imagine that might be uh, something that w- would be exciting to see if the two of them were both on the ballot. Uh, in a couple of years for the uh, the Hall of Fame. Yeah, uh, just think of just think of what this guy's seen. He was on deck when Hank Hank uh, Aaron uh, broke Babe Ruth's uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know home run record, and to manage as long as he has and to be as successful as he has, it's a uh, it's it's quite a quite a career. Uh, other uh, 
front office news uh, in in baseball, uh, you know, just getting around uh, as well. Uh, Craig Breslow, uh, a former uh, Cleveland uh, pitcher, is uh, is set to take a position with uh, with Boston in their front office. Yeah, left-handed reliever uh, with uh, with the with the Tribe. He pitched in 2006, 2017. He came back at the tail end end of his career. Then he, uh, you know, smart guy. I think he went to Yale. Um, you know, he was in, uh, you know, he's in the Rays front office and now he's, you know, he's, he's taken over, uh, the reins in Boston and, uh, you know, a very interesting move. And, uh, you know, he go, he goes into the hornet's nest, man, you know, the Mets and, and Boston, you gotta, you gotta have some thick skin there. And, uh, it's going to be interesting to see, uh, how, you know, just how he reshapes that ball club because they need some help. Uh, did you ever uh, do you remember interviewing him at all when when he was in Cleveland in terms of like, uh, uh, obviously, he's a, 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 a Ivy League sort of, uh, you know, guy, he probably able to hold a, a pretty decent interview. You ever talk about uh, particle science or uh, super colliders <laughs> or anything like that with him? No, I, you know, he's a nice guy. I, I remember talking to him a couple of times, you know, the average guy, nice guy. You know, uh, I, I, he had a degree in molecular science or something. I can't remember exactly <laughs> what it was. So I, I wasn't trading, uh, you know, career tips with him. Didn't didn't have a lot in common with the uh, the the uh, nuclear fusion scientist and all that. that it's, uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I, yeah, I missed out on. Yeah, I didn't. I, I was on. Uh, I was on a little shaky ground there. <laughs> all right. Uh, Hoinsey, I want to remind our listeners. uh that uh, subtext is the best way to keep uh, getting updates from uh, me and Hoinsey throughout the off season. Uh, it's $3.99 a month to sign up. Uh, you go to cleveland.com slash subtext or uh, send a text message to 216-208-4346. And uh, we will get you hooked up with subtext. A great opportunity to get the information sent directly to your phone on a, on a regular basis. Uh, one more coaching update uh, that we just saw came uh, just came through a little bit ago. Uh, old friend Sean Casey, uh, another uh, former Cleveland uh, standout, um, Sean Casey, who uh, jumped in and acted as the uh, Yankees hitting coach uh, for part of the season, uh, went from the MLB network over to the uh, uh, to the bench for Aaron Boone there in New York. Uh, Sean Casey will not be returning as Yankees hitting coach. According to several reports out of New York, uh, just the nicest guy on earth. You can't imagine that, uh, um, you know, personality had anything to do with it. But uh, this is probably just like a, a temporary move for him uh, from the beginning. Yeah, you know, he, him and Aaron Boone were good friends. I think, uh, you know, Booney asked him uh, if he, he would come in after that. You know, the original hitting coach was fired, and that's a that's a tough job, Joe. You know, you and I know, you know, you you never see the hitting coach. The hitting mm-hmm. coach is always in the cage. You don't see him, you know, you see him during the game, but you don't see him after the game or before the game. Those guys, that you know, you have to have tunnel vision. And, you know, I think uh, Sean probably has a lot more things going on in his life that, you know, he just doesn't want to, you know, be in that be in the cage every day for 162 games, spring training, you know, the over the winter when the players come in to uh, refine their, you know, their swing. So, you know, it's a it's it's a job for for guys that, 
you know, I, I don't that that work. You know, it's a job like uh, for guys that, that came up to, you know, the hard way almost, you know, that mm-hmm. weren't they're almost weren't great hitters. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a job where a guy has to grind through to get to that point and he's and he and he wants to be there you know so i'm not sh- saying sean doesn't want to be there but it's it's a tough uh it's a tough gig and uh you have to be committed to it yeah it's got to be difficult for a guy who was such a natural hitter like sean casey was who's who who it, it always looked like he was it, it was it came easy to him at the plate just you know two knocks a game and you know line drives and being able to you know, not not look like you were being fooled by anything uh, when you were at the plate. It's got to be really difficult for a guy like that to be a, a hitting coach, because when a guy when a player isn't succeeding that you're trying to coach up, uh, you know, you, you run out of things to, to think or to say or to tinker with. And, and then it's like he's still not performing. Well, when you were doing it at the plate, it just came naturally to you. It was just so easy for uh, a guy like a Sean Casey uh, it's got to be frustrating at times uh, when when young guys or, or guys who are sort of lost at the plate uh, aren't aren't connecting there because uh, you know I I would imagine that it would be a, a, a difficult thing for him uh, to to do or or maybe you just get really good at uh, explaining yourself and and people just really catch on so uh, really like Sean Casey really like. Uh, uh, we'll look forward to seeing what his next step is and, and where he ends up. If he ends up back on on the network and, and explaining hitting uh, and doing breakdowns, uh, I welcome that too because uh, you know he he helps me just sit there and, and watch and, and what to look for in some of these guys uh, as well. You, you get to you know pick up on things uh, just with his his ability to to recognize those things. So uh, yeah, Joe. Joe, it's a, that's a great point. And, you know, the job has changed. You know, mm-hmm. team, everybody has three hitting coaches now, almost two or three hitting coaches. You know, the, and, and all the players have, you know, their, their own personal hitting gurus that they're calling after, after, after games. So, you know, you've really got to be able to reach the players. There's so much t- statistical information involved and video involved. You know, uh, who likes video, who doesn't. You know, it's, it's, it's a job and a half. Yeah, it, it, for a player to have uh, their own hitting coach like uh, like Michael Brantley had uh, had his dad, you know, ch- he checked in with him all the time. That's uh, uh, yeah, that that kind of even supersedes what what a hitting coach uh, there at the at the ballpark and in the clubhouse with you uh, can do because uh, you're being reached in a, in a different way as well. The hitting coaches, like you said, uh, they're they're impossible to to sort of ha- uh, to to you know sort of hammer down uh, to get them for an interview or, uh, you know, during a daily, you know, pregame or, or postgame, cause they're always running around. Like you said, you got to kind of position yourself outside the door of the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the coach's clubhouse and almost, almost block them so that they can't get to the cages. Uh, you know, a couple of times with Chris Valeka, uh, in, in the past with, uh, Ty Van Berkeley, if you, if you position yourself in the right way, you might be able to get them for like a minute or two <laughs> I to ask know. Them a, a question about a specific guy. But like you said, they're always moving. The other thing about uh, the hitting coaches is, you know, they they're the they're the best DJs in the clubhouse. They've got the best music going on. You walk back by the clubhouse, especially on the road. Uh, you walk by the cages, and there's always really good music going. Uh, and it's di- you know different for the different uh, hitters, but the the vibe is is usually pretty relaxed. You know, back there when you walk by the cages, uh, as you're as you're moving in and out of the clubhouse or from the clubhouse to the field. Uh, and and when they're taking their pregame swings and whatever, 
So, uh, you know, the, if you ever want to know who the best DJs in the, uh, in each clubhouse are, it's, it's usually the hitting coaches or their assistants. Uh, they, they know what's up in terms of, uh, where to find the, uh, the best vibes and the best music. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up today's edition of the Cleveland baseball talk podcast. Uh, this week we are going to begin our breakdowns of, uh, individual players, uh, and projections for the 2024 season. Uh, we're going to start with, uh, Andres Jimenez here coming up, uh, and then we'll, we'll sort of bounce around, uh, the, the, the 40 man roster, uh, until we, we get through, uh, as many of these guys as we can before spring training. Uh, looking forward to that. And, uh, Hoinsey, we'll we'll check in with you again uh, here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. All right, Joe. 